Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonix therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? It's your boy, Shaka Cummings. It's your boy, Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, grade sports, biggest issues. Parker, how are you doing today, sir? Doing right, Shaka. How you doing? I'm doing well. Things are going well. So far, so good. Let's go ahead and jump into our gold stars and detentions for the week. Because I know you got a couple of Houston Rockets that you want to recognize. <laughs> so go ahead. Hit me with your gold stars, Parker. Uh, so my first gold star uh, goes to Russell Westbrook of the Houston Rockets. Now, I, some people will point out, you know, I've had up and down relationship with Russell Westbrook dating back to the 2017 MVP race. But really, my, my gold star for this week goes to Russell Westbrook because uh, he buys and donates 650 laptop computers and wi-fi services to go to houston area students and families of students that need some way to access educational services right now um that's obviously great it's awesome to see a guy like that dive into the community he's been in for like less than a year um so hats off to that the lesser discussed one uh that he also did this week is he joined with uh thomas tolan tolko 
had to launch Operation 42 on Wednesday because Wednesday was supposed to be Jackie Robinson Day. Operation 42 donated 4.2 million masks and other protective personal equipment uh, to medical workers in African-American communities hit hard by COVID so far. Um, he's doing a lot. He's doing some stuff in L.A. as well. I'm sure you guys can keep Googling. He's a very uh, charitable person, uh, but he, he's doing a lot. And so shout out to Russell Westbrook, the six-foot center for my Houston Rockets. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, okay, so my first gold star is going to go to the University of Oregon women's basketball team who we don't get the NCAA tournament, so we don't get March Madness, and we don't necessarily get the payoff. And we don't know. It's possibility that Oregon would not have won the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. Baylor was really good. Uh, South Carolina was actually the number one overall seed in all likelihood. Uh, UConn is UConn, right? Right. But the WNBA draft happened on Friday night as we are recording this on Sunday. And the one of the best basketball teams that I ever saw was the University of Kentucky with Anthony Davis. And something happened with that draft I thought I would never see again, which is the best players on that team went one and two in the draft. Well, Oregon stepped it up because Oregon had the number one draft pick in the WNBA draft, the number two draft pick in the WNBA draft, and the number eight draft pick. Obviously, the Oregon women's basketball team balls. If you don't watch women's basketball, then that's your deal. I love women's basketball. And if you watch those girls play, I mean, they were ballers. And obviously, the WNBA draft recognized it. Did you see Mark Stein, who lives in Dallas? Mark Stein's tweet about the Dallas pick at number two. Okay, I it didn't was, see it. It was something like, huh. German going to Dallas. This ought to work out well. <laughs> <laughs> so to Sabelli, her uh, parents are African, and so she moved around quite a bit uh, when she was younger. But yeah, she uh, she's born in da she's born in uh, Germany. So absolutely, right. if she wears number forty one. <laughs> that'd be awesome. I just I right. hope that they put all that together for her. Uh, staying in the Houston backcourt, I'm going across the perimeter to James Harden, who is providing five thousand Houston area families with a week's worth of groceries uh, over the next month. Um, again, more charitable donations. He's donating stuff across the town and city. Uh, Houston, <laughs> since Harvey has had a lot of uh, charitable things, you go back and forth. A lot of Houston area athletes have found ways to be involved. But uh, just staying with the Rockets' backcourt, you'll notice a theme in all of my gold stars and detentions today as we keep going. Everyone on the Rockets is like five foot three. So how do you know who's in the backcourt? Like that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's the joke. Is the entire team is the backcourt? There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, my second gold star goes to ESPN because they made the right decision. They're releasing the Last Dance documentary early. Uh, it is Sunday, and so uh, the documentary is going to be released tonight, nine o'clock. They're going to be doing back to back episodes. There is nothing that I'm looking more forward to in terms of sport than this documentary and seeing what it was like during that last season for the Chicago Bulls. Now, I grew up a Knicks fan. I actually grew up hating Michael Jordan and those Bulls teams. <laughs> uh, that being said, I am so excited about this documentary and that inside look at those teams because that team, to me, just an incredibly fascinating squad have you heard the story about how this vault got opened that's surfaced lately that apparently it's been locked up like some of this footage has been locked up in the vault and mike was mike was like no 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 we're not watching we're not watching it and then lebron wins the 2016 title coming back from down 3-1 for cleveland and he's having the championship parade and apparently like the day of the championship parade was like 
all right, open the vault. <laughs> like, it was like, it was like, let's make sure they don't forget who I am. <laughs> well, and it's, because... it's, it's funny, too, because LeBron beats the 73-win Golden State Warriors, right, which was the team that broke the this right. they broke this team's record right the, well it was actually the year before they went 72 and 10 but it's this iteration of the bulls it's these right. guys who all won 70 games so um so my detention for this week is a guy again with the Houston Rockets that needs to get his name out of the news um if you follow me on twitter you'll notice every it's about a daily tweet out of me of some version of Tillman Fertitta sell the team. Um, Tillman Fertitta gets a detention for me, not because he refuses to pay the luxury tax and add a third superstar, not because he, you know, is chomping at the bit to make sure he keeps half of his team making less money than the two stars of his team, but because he argued in the last couple weeks that laying off 45,000 people, I think, if I'm reading these numbers correctly, is somehow better for them in the long run because they can be at the front of the unemployment lines. Um, he is at the front of the get the state of Texas back to work movement. Um, he is putting himself on or is getting himself with money and power on committees and things like that in the state. He's doing a lot of things to try and keep his billions of billions of dollar business businesses afloat. Uh, and I want to be like shut up at a third star and the money will come in later like you've got you've got a pretty big you've got a pretty big cushion to fall on dude like let's <laughs> let's let this go for a second but um, um let's go ahead and continue the uh trend of giving billionaires detention because my detention <laughs> is going to be wwe and you guys might notice that wwe has come up quite a bit in uh my takes over the last few episodes the wwe this past week actually released a bunch of uh, talent that they've had in terms of wrestlers as well as a bunch of behind-the-scenes folk. Basically, it's the COVID-19, hey, listen, we can't operate in the same space that we're used to operating in. The WWE revenue projections for this year are on point. They're actually on the mark to make hmm. the exact same revenue number this year, even with the COVID scandal or COVID scandal, even with the COVID stuff, that they were projected to make last year. Okay, you were, you're going to make the same money that you made last year. So you kept these guys last year. What's the problem with keeping them this year in, a, in the time where, obviously, these wrestlers can't go out and go just go get another job right away. Uh, there's not the independent organizations. Those aren't running. The only places that are running are WWE and another uh uh, major promotion is supported on television as well, which is called All Elite Wrestling, AEW. So that's it. Those are the options for guys. And I believe that the WWE actually has a non-compete clause in their contract. So you actually can't go sign with another organization for three months. So you're screwing people over. Um, now, I, I, my understanding is that these folks all got uh, buyouts, so they would bought out their contracts. And I'm sure that the golden parachute that they're falling on is going to help them to land softly. But I'm sure that not everyone got the same buyout, and I'm not, I'm sure that there are folks who did not get a buyout. I'm sure that there are folks that were just kind of laid off. And so, Vince McMahon also, with your billions of dollars, like shame on you. Like you definitely need to be in detention. 
I'd also argue that wrestling in the WWE style of wrestling is not a very transferable skill. So I don't know what job these guys are going to go get now that they're out of a job, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, there's going to be a lot of club bouncers that you recognize from television. <laughs> um, so uh, we're, we got a lot of great topics to talk today. We're going to talk about prep to pro, specifically looking at the NBA. We're going to do a new segment where we kind of mimic the SATs. We run through a bunch of multiple choice questions, rapid fire. And then I talk to Parker about good music. Because that's what older people should do to younger people. So, <laughs> without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready, sir? Ready when you are, Shaga. All right, Parker. So, our first thesis statement, looking at the movement of prep to pro, players trying to go from high school and get paid as quickly as possible, specifically basketball players. So, the thesis statement is, if you are a top high school basketball prospect, it is in your best interest to play college basketball. Parker, how would you grade that thesis statement? I give it a D. What do you give it, Shaka? Okay, so we're going to be yelling at each other this week. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a B minus because <laughs> I think that there's actually quite a bit of merit to it. So, Mr. Ainsworth, you do not want young people to go to college. Wow, what kind of teacher are you? You gave, <laughs> you gave uh, the thesis statement a D. Talk to me about your opinions when it comes to high school basketball players and their options beyond the NCAA. Well, I think it really stems more, Shaka, from wanting them to develop skills you know, that they can work on towards a, a life and a career and things outside of just necessarily like the traditional academic ABC answering multiple choice questions environment. But outside of that, uh, what I, I really look at this and when I hear top prospect, in my mind, I'm hearing like that is in the top, you know, five to 10 range, right? We're not talking about guys that are, you know, the even the number 15 guy on all the recruit big boards. Uh, where I, I, I hear that and understand it to be the crux of guys like we just saw the Jalen Green uh, young man last week who decided he's going to go straight to the G League. Isaiah Todd is going to uh, do the exact same thing. Um, and, and both guys sit in the top end of the prospects. I hear about guys like RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball, who both uh, decided not to go the college route a year ago, did the overseas thing, and now they're sitting as two guys that are going to be top 10 in this year's NBA draft. Um that's where I hear that top prospect and go to that. So I want to make sure we clarify. I am not saying that some three-star kid from a small town does not need college basketball. There's actually a really good argument, I think, to be made that those guys benefit a lot from college basketball. I think you look at a guy like John Morant, who was an under-recruited guy out of high school, goes to Murray State even, can go to any program, if it's even Murray State, right, any Division One program, and turn into a phenom of sorts. If you're a top prospect... People assume you need college basketball for the marketing or college basketball to get your name out there or or whatever this is. Um, and I I don't think in 2020 that's necessarily true anymore. Um, we have all of these guys that are coming into college doing the one and done thing because they know they're going to go pro at the end of the year. Um, and they, you know, on campus for who knows, between five and eight months before they end up going off to the draft. And again, I say all these guys, it's really a handful every year, but all, all these guys, right? Um, and everyone's like, well, they, they benefit from the marketing of getting the tournament and getting the so on. But like this year we have no tournament and there will still be one and done guys go in the top 10. Like they're doing fine. And, and, and it also seems like to me like that 
antiquates how people watch basketball because like a Zion Williamson, yes, he had a tremendous year at Duke and yes, he was the number one pick after having a crazy explosive year. He also suffered a major injury and was very, very marketable before ever going to Duke. I mean, his decision was to go to Duke was nationally televised. He has well over a million followers on Instagram before his commitment even happens. Um, he'd been followed by major publications uh, that follow basketball for since his sophomore year of high school when he was making these big dunks and blocks. Jalen Green, you know, is a very similar boat. Um, his Jalen Green, that was interesting. He has, you know, his own million of followers. Jalen Green has fan accounts on Instagram that have 12 and 13,000 followers, like accounts that are just fans posting his videos. Um, <laughs> Mikey Williams is this freshman from San Diego. He's like a freshman phenom athletic point guard of sorts, jumps up, dunks between. I, He's got almost 2 million followers on Instagram. People know these guys' names. People know who these people are. And if people, if scrubs on Instagram are following them, I'm assuming NBA <laughs> scouts are also following them. Kind of like, so I guess when I see that, and then I see the way that Jalen Green is opening up and kind of he and Isaiah Todd are rolling out this introductory version of the uh, G League development program in which they're each going to get about $500,000 plus be able to market themselves, play for a team near their hometown, uh, and get coached by some of the G League's, you know, best. And I want to talk a little about the G League in the course of this. Uh, I, I really think that that is a better option for developing their talents as basketball players. There's obviously validity to a lot of the points that you're making. So I'm not necessarily trying to dissuade you from those perspectives. The thesis asks about the best option, right? And um, I can envision scenarios where players like a LaMelo ball players. Like if you want to go back and Emmanuel Moutier or Brandon Jennings, those guys would have went to college if that was an option for them. For those guys, college wasn't even an option because their eligibility was in question. So I feel like when we lump those players into this discussion, there's a, there's just a tinge of apples to oranges that's a part right, of the I discussion. Didn't, so I wasn't trying to bring in Moody. I, I no, didn't, no, I didn't but I mean, say his name. Yeah. But I, but I, I do think that there are folks who look at those guys who they went to foreign leagues, and they'll they'll mention those guys and say those guys did fine. They all made it to NBA, and they were all lottery picks. And Lamelo is very likely to be a lottery pick. So I, I feel like that that's a different discussion, even than R.J. Hampton or Jalen Green. And so when I start looking at guys like R.J. Hampton and Jalen Green, R.J. Hampton literally moved his entire family, his entire immediate family with him to Australia so that he could hoop. And I don't think that every prospect is going to necessarily want to do that, have the means to do that. I don't know that every family is going to be in that situation. And he did that because he believed that, that all of that structure, not just the coaching, but also the family connection, all made it possible for him to get the best preparation for the NBA. And I think that that model is incredibly difficult for every family to replicate. When I look at a guy like Jalen Green or I look at a guy like Isaiah Todd, I'm happy for them to go get their money. What I hope for them is that they go into the G League and they light it up because there is a reality that they could go into the G League and get beat down by men who are a lot more physically mature, who come with a lot higher basketball IQ based on experience. 
And these guys who go into that G League, this is it for them. Like, this is their last opportunity. They are dogs. They're going in there, and this is a paycheck for them, the potential to feed their family. And so that's who you're going against. And so if those guys can shine in that environment, obviously there is something to say about their preparation and their readiness for that next step when the draft rolls around in 2021. And if they go in there and they don't do as well, I, ooh, that's a tough deal to me, especially because I have no doubt that they could go into the NCAA and still dominate. The $500,000 piece is one that you can't overlook, right? I mean, it's that pay for play is the reason why guys are doing this. And this is why the NCAA needs to get its act into gear when it comes to being able to do the marketing and promotion that players will potentially be able to do down the road so that they could actually make some money for themselves while they're in college based off of their image and likeness. And I will say this when it comes to the marketing component, it's great that they're going to get to go play for a team that's near their hometown. And the reality is that ain't like playing for Kentucky. That's not like playing for Duke. Even with a guy like Zion Williamson, who you mentioned, if Zion Williamson and that draft class of players were eligible to go into the draft out of high school, Zion Williamson wouldn't have been the first pick in the draft. Zion Williamson develops into the first pick in the draft at Duke. It's that exposure. It's that coaching. That's what helped him rise to that level. You can't find the NBA draft projection that had Zion Williamson going one over R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett was the number one pick until they played on the floor. And then you got to see Zion and the physical nature and his athleticism on display, even with other great players and Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett and playing against other great players. What they did to the University of Kentucky, the opening game that season, like all of that's a part of it, too. It's not the exact same discussion for every top prospect. Like every top prospect really has to look at their individual situations and decide whether or not the non-traditional paths make the most sense. There's a reason why those paths are non-traditional. Like if the G League were the option, it would already be the option. Like the G League's been around for a while. Foreign leagues definitely have been around for as long as forever, and they could pay you millions. And guys don't jump into these avenues. So the fact that these things are non-traditional means you really got to look at your specific situation to see if everything fits so that it's in your best interest in terms of the NBA draft. Because the reality is for all these guys, it's not about playing in China or playing in Italy or playing in Frisco. (laughs) It's about playing in the NBA. So what's the situation that's going to have you best prepared to go play in that league? You talk about how like the G League has been there and international basketball has been there i would argue that while they've been there and while i could go on tangential stuff about the growth of the g league in the last four or five years uh, since the end of the stern era and how it's it's working towards a baseball type minor league and and that's the goal whether or not that you think they're anywhere near it or whatever uh the the truth is is that the access to seeing and being rep- and being virtually able to watch people play large amount high quality basketball from lots of angles and communicate and work with people is not the same that it was 20 years ago 20 years ago you had you know like 
oh, Dirk made it from Europe, so maybe all these European guys can go, and then we end up with like a Darko. Like, there's no, there's no really like idea of how to gauge a European basketball tape like there is today, right? Darko like people... always gets trash, and Darko was not that. <laughs> he was just not the number two pick when Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and those guys come out. Anyway, Nikolaj Skidishvili, that dude was awful. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could bring up other he's just the name everyone knows. We could bring up other failed European picks that come after Dirk, but when Dirk comes in, it's like, oh man, these guys are just playing on these really recreational looking. Nah, your point years. is valid. I just like yeah. to defend Darko. <laughs> um so anyway, I, I think that that's that's no longer the case. We have access to being able to like see and judge and understand international basketball a lot better now. That's why you see a lot more international basketball players in the NBA. I also think that it's worth noting that a lot of these pro teams have people that are either tangentially or directly involved with USA basketball. And we're talking about guys that are also in that system, right? Like Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, and, and RJ Hampton. Like they, these guys are also in the USA basketball system that has been you know, uplifted in the last 16 years. We talked about, in, I think it was two weeks ago, Pod, about how that transformed and flipped over. Um, and so we get to see these guys through that lens. An NBA franchise could see these guys through that lens much closer uh, for the last 16 years in a lot of different ways as well. I'd also point out that you brought up like, you know, I hope Jalen Green doesn't run into the wrong guy trying to make his pay cut to feed his family or whatever in the G League. And that's all, that's very true. Um, the G League, A, though I would argue those exact same things would have happened to Zion. Zion's knee injury from blowing out a shoe at Duke could have been catastrophic. Yeah, my point we, we, for Jalen Green was an injury, though. My point for Jalen Green was that he could actually go in that league and wet the bed. Like, he'd actually right, go in that we, league and then we find out that he's not that good. And essentially what he gets out of that deal is $500,000 versus he's going to go into college. He's going to do well because he's playing against kids his own age, which, again, actually goes back to your Olympic basketball point because those guys who are on Olympic basketball are playing on the U19, the U18. So they're playing against guys their own age. Right. And so what I'm also going to bring up, though, is just like, you know, the injury piece is a piece of college basketball. You, maybe you, you're going to be a Kentucky BBN guy and tell me that this doesn't happen other places, but I've certainly seen a lot of like five-star athletes in multiple sports come through the University of Texas and not end up panning out to be five-star guys. You bring up Zion Williamson jumps to the number one pick, but also brought up that that mean R.J. Barrett jump fall, fell, fell from one to three. Right, RJ Barrett could have made more money as the number one pick the year before if you were allowed to go to high school. Right, like you could argue it both ways there on that exact instance to me. Well, keep in mind that, like, I'm not this person who's against these high school guys being able to jump directly into the NBA, but that's just not an option for them. So, like, when we look at what the options are, the options are the G League, these foreign leagues, or college basketball. So, of the available options, to me, I like college basketball is not only right. a viable option, but to me, it's an incredible option. And you well, listen, the University of Kentucky's had guys who didn't do as well, right? Because we've, we've had plenty of those too. Uh, that being said, I do think that if we were to objectively look and say, where is an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid most inclined to perform at his best? We would say against other 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old kids versus guys who have maybe come through a system like that and are now in a professional system that are 24, 25, 26. Jalen Green would go to UCLA and dominate. Uh, I hope that he goes into the G League and dominates, but I think that there's less of a likelihood so of that. Then it comes down to my where I was getting, is that is it really better 
for Jalen Green's long-term basketball career, like being a best basketball player at age 28 he can be when he's in the prime of his career, right? Like the 27, 28, 29 tends to be what people focus on as like the prime of an all-everything basketball player, right? Is it really better for his career to play against other kids his age at UCLA in the Pac-12 or to play against the best players he can? And if the best players he can are sitting in a league that is not the NBA but also not college basketball, it probably behooves him, I would assume, right, to push himself and play in the best league that he can, right, to go push himself to be get the best coaching, get the best uh, competition, get the best, you know, uh, training facilities, get the year-round focus on one thing. He's not waking up to go to math class at 8 o'clock on a Monday. He you can, weren't he waking can... up to go to math class at 8 o'clock on Monday either. I didn't take math <laughs> class. I teach history for a very, very, very important reason. Uh, but, but you understand what I'm saying, though, right? Like, it's a singular focus. And I understand the big Power 5 school guys have a very singular focus anyway. And people are going to come back on this pod and, frankly, probably comment that, Oh, but under the table, they're getting more than five hundred thousand dollars. Like that could all be the case. Like, <laughs> Guys, we I, are not... above board on FN Sports. Um, we are above board. Well, one of us is. But I was going to say, really, <laughs> though, it, is really, I, I just, I, I see that as just like you want to push yourself and by surrounding your people yourself with the best competition. If these other options are going to offer them better competition and pay them for it, I think that that offers a better option. I also think it's interesting that the. NBA is setting this up after watching two kids go overseas a year ago because, like, we don't want these kids leaving the country. We want to, we want, we want to stay right but here. They're not watch set, them. No, they're not setting it up for LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton. This all comes back to Zion Williamson. They're setting it up because they saw the marketability of Zion Williamson because, frankly, Barack Obama wasn't showing up to G League games. And they saw that dude, and they're like, how do we get – our hands on that dude as soon as possible. Well, the collective bargaining agreement doesn't allow him to go straight to pro. So the best thing they could do is put that dude in the G League and maybe now ESPN would be a lot more interested in getting more G League games on television. Part of this discussion, and at least in my mind, and I could be 100% wrong about this, the big part of this discussion all centers around the transcendent talents and not even just the top prospects. It's about the NBA wanting to get their hands on the biggest, most marketable players as soon as possible so that way they can have as much marketing power with them as possible. It's the reason why Amani Bates and Mikey Williams are relevant to this discussion. The NBA, if they cannot change the collective bargaining agreement so that Amani Bates can jump into the draft in 2022, then they're going to do their darndest to make sure that he's in the G League because he's a human highlight. The same thing with Mikey Williams, right? So to me, it's more about... Zion and how incredibly marketable a guy like that is. And the NBA says, how do we keep all those dollars to ourselves? We, what we have to understand is that if they go to college, even if they maybe don't perform as well in college, a lot of those guys are still getting drafted into the lottery. And if you could get into the lottery and get that guaranteed money, then what are we talking about in terms of long-term interest like you you were very specific in saying basketball interest and for me this decision it's in part about basketball but it has to be about more than that because otherwise you wouldn't be throwing out five hundred thousand dollars as the nba g league obviously there's a financial component and these guys are trying to get as much money as early on as they could possibly get it because there's a recognition that that money isn't guaranteed to them beyond this portion of their lives in terms of playing basketball. And so access to that revenue as quickly as possible is what this is all about. So 
if I, I would argue that you could go, we've seen plenty of guys go into college, not necessarily showcase the best of themselves in college coming to the NBA and actually still do well. We literally just talked about Devin Booker last week, and we're going to watch a documentary on a guy named Michael Jordan, who you could argue that that was his trajectory as well. What I don't know that we've ever seen is someone go into a foreign league and not play well or go into the G League and not play well and still have the potential to get drafted. We'll find out if these guys don't play well. But again, in my mind, I don't want to put them in a situation where we have to find that out. I think that it's a more of a sure thing that they're going to go play well at college versus in the G League or in these foreign leagues. Any college that recruits these guys, everything is about them. I don't necessarily know that every G League team that gets these guys, that the team's going to revolve around them. you got to be the best player at the pro level for the team to revolve around you. And they're probably not even going to be the best players in their team early on. They have to develop into that. And so while I hope that it happens, we just don't know. So we have a new segment this week here on FN Sports. We're going to call it Multiple Choice. So we're going to take you back to your standardized test days where we ask questions. There are multiple answers. You pick the answer that is the most correct. And so uh, basically we're going to be taking the sports version of the SATs. Parker, <laughs> hopefully you'll get a 1600. It's still out of 1600, right? That, see, gosh, all these old man references. They went back to 1600, yeah. When I took it, it was 24, and now it's back to 16. See, yeah, because it was sometimes the old way yeah. is just the best way. Because those old people know what we're talking about. Um, okay, so let's talk <laughs> Let's talk uh, NFL. And let's talk Joe Burrow in particular, because I know that he's your dude. So my first, <laughs> my first uh, multiple choice question for you is the number one pick. And the NFL draft will be A, Joe Burrow, B, Chase Young, C, Tua Tagovailoa, or D, Traded. So what are your thoughts? Uh, the number one pick will be A, Joe Burrow. Okay. I thought you might go there. So now, <laughs> if I may, I'm going to ask you the second question in rapid succession to let you talk about it a little bit. If Parker Ainsworth had the number one pick... <laughs> He would take A, Joe Burrow, B, Chase Young, C, Tua Tagovailoa, or D, trade it. Uh, D, trade it. So my my thought is multifolded, um, if that's even the right thing. But what I really what I'm getting at here <laughs> is that Joe Burrow is a consensus for a lot of guys. People are on the hype train right now. You know, he had a great great season at LSU. They are the champs, um, and, and I, I get all that. Uh, and I'm also not going to sit here and say he didn't have a good season. Shaka's alluding to some texting conversations he and I had about comparing he and Vince Young and other other top-end quarterbacks. <laughs> but um, I, I get all that. Um, I'm just not the most sold on him like everyone else is. I remember the fact that he got beat out of his job so bad by Dwayne Haskins. He had a transfer from Ohio State, right? Um, and I, I'm just not totally all in on it like some other people and I would trade it, D, the letter D option, because I know that if other people are valuing this that high, I can get a lot back for it. And so I would look at other, because Cincinnati needs a lot more. They need a quarterback, too, because I don't think that they're going to stick with the Red Rifle for much longer. But other teams are going to value this very highly. And so I would swap it for a few picks and a few pieces and really try to put more of a team together because 
I think there's value later in this draft at multiple spots. I also think that if you're a team that needs a lot and you have the chance to get a lot, I would get a lot of different positions. Um, and so that's my thought. You're chuckling at me as I'm no, doing this. Well, so here's what? the thing, right? So there's just so many points. Uh, so, man, thanks. <laughs> um, uh, first, are you honestly knocking Joe Burrow because he transferred? Because you realize that the last two number one picks in the draft did the same thing. They were at schools, then transferred because they got beat out for jobs. Like Justin Fields transferred, it was a Heisman finalist. Like I don't, I'm not knocking anybody for transferring. Whatever. <laughs> I'm whatever. just saying, like uh, he I, only had one good season. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so did Kyler Murray, right? And he, he only was, played one. <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyway. Oh, by, okay. So Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, first of all, didn't only have one good season because he had a good season. He had a very solid season his first year starting at LSU. He just had the historically best season in the history of college football, according to Pro Football Focus. So that's that's what Joe Burrow had. If we're looking at this, um, the number one pick is going to be Joe Burrow. If I had the number one pick, like, there's so many pieces that go into it. If I'm Cincinnati, I'm taking Joe Burrow. Uh, I could understand your point, though. Like, if you're Cincinnati, the only team that I would concoct a trade with is Miami because Miami would still keep me in the top five and I could – get some of their pieces and they have so many they have three first round picks they have so many top picks that they're the only team that i would even consider dealing with because the reality is i need a lot but if you don't have a quarterback it doesn't matter what else you get yeah yeah i like joe burrow i like him a lot more than you do uh the sleeper so next up multiple choice question the sleeper in this year's nfl draft will be a jalen hurts b lynn bowden jr c some other player well, so you know I'm a Jalen Hurts fan, and so that's probably yes, I also. Do. So I want to make sure we know I'm not totally anti-transfer quarterback. That was not where that was going. Um, but I am a Jalen Hurts guy. Uh, so obviously, of those two options, for sure, I'd pick Jalen Hurts. Um, who are you? Go- are you going to go with your Kentucky guy? What are you? Yeah, doing? I mean, I like Lynn Bowden a lot. I think that Lynn Bowden to the right team is going to be huge. I would love to see him end up in New England. Uh, I don't think that he will because I'm not sure that. There's some profile pieces. I'm just not sure if New England would look at Lynn and say, absolutely. Um, A team like Pittsburgh that's been very creative with multifaceted guys would also be a really good option. And he would be going to a place where there's a couple of UK guys that are on the roster. So Pittsburgh could make a lot of sense. Or even some of these younger, creative, uh, offensive-minded coaches, if he could go to the LA Rams, if he could go to the Arizona Cardinals, if he could go to Cincinnati even, um, because there's some creative uh, offensive minds there. I think that they would use him. The fact that he played quarterback this year, like I don't want people to overthink that. He was a quarterback. Kentucky was basically running the single wing. They were handing him the ball and doing creative blocking schemes in front of him. He might pass the ball three, four times a game. So um, I don't want people to oversell that. But, But the fact that he was back there, does give you the option, obviously, to be able to do some things in terms of him, you know, double passes and those sorts of things. But you're not winning the game off of his ability to double pass. What you can win the game off of is his ability to make people miss in space, his ability to uh, just eat up yak after he gets the ball, his ability to also help you in the return game. And he's not going to be a first-round draft pick, so you're going to be able to get him later but I think that he's going to offer incredible value to your team with all the things that he can do. The next question, the best defensive player in this year's NFL draft is A, Chase Young, B, Jeff Okuda, C, Isaiah Simmons, 
or D, somebody else? What you got, Parker? <laughs> uh, I'm going with C, Isaiah Simmons. Um, I The more I watch in doing prep for these kinds of things about any of these de- defensive players, um, I see him as the highest ceiling of any of any, maybe anybody in the draft, but you also said that you think I'm a Joe Burrow hater. Because um, <laughs> you are so a Joe Burrow C- hater. <laughs> I'm going C, Isaiah Simmons. Who do you go with, Shaka? The best defensive player in this draft, it probably is Chase Young. But I want to say this. I think that scouts who do the mock drafts have, like, Chase Young so far ahead of some of these other guys, and I just don't think that that's the case. So Chase Young, because of the position that he plays and the effectiveness in which he plays that position, he's obviously great. He's going to be a great defensive player because he's going to put pressure on the quarterback. Jeff Okuda will shut down half the field if you get him on your team. People won't throw over to his side. Isaiah Simmons, you can literally line him up on the defensive line as a linebacker or in your defensive backfield, and he will play not only effectively, like he will play great in all of those different positions. And, of course, we have guys that aren't even on here. Yitor Gross Matos, go watch him at Penn State. Javon Kinlaw, yeah. go watch him in South Carolina. I just don't think that there's the gap that people seem to think that there is between Chase Young and everyone else. I think the thing with Chase Young is the floor is so high with Chase Young. Like you, like the the worst version of a healthy, assuming all these guys are healthy because it's football and you always do that. But like, oh, absolutely. The, the worst version of Chase Young, if healthy, is very, very good. Helps your team a lot at a very important position. I'm though, I look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons and I just sit here and like, man, he is... He can do it all. He can play multiple positions on either side of the field and play them very well. Um, I think a creative defensive coordinator could honestly scheme some weird mixed-up version of a Tampa 2 look with him also doing the Von Miller thing off the edge and doing all of it at once. Like, we had Khalil Mack made the Pro Bowl at two positions a couple years back. Like, that's the kind of athlete I'm seeing in Isaiah Simmons is a guy that could really make it as a pass rusher, as a middle linebacker, or as a down safety. Like, he really does a lot of different things. Okay, Parker, so now let's transition and talk a little bit of WNBA. So with their draft on Friday, WNBA top of mind for us. Let's start with blank won the WNBA draft. A, the New York Liberty, B, the Dallas Wings, or C, some other team. I'm going with A, the New York Liberty. Um, it's interesting on ESPN. I'm just you know doing some research, flipping through, and ESPN gave the New York Liberty a B plus on their draft. Um, they had obviously we're talked about and continue to talk about Sabrina at the number one pick overall. They got Megan Walker out of UConn, uh, a small four out of Virginia, uh, Jasmine Jones out of Louisville. They got a handful. Anyway, some talent. Um, the highest grades that they give on the ESPN background and there's a couple writers on here so i don't want to just put it on michelle vopel but a couple people gave dallas an a plus and gave minnesota an a um and dallas had a good draft but they they didn't get sabrina i don't know if they (laughs) so anyway i'm giving it to new york um uh i'm i believe the new york liberty have the best draft because they got to me the player that's clearly the best player so even if you want to downgrade them because they had they had five picks in the top 15. And if you want to downgrade them because you believe that their four subsequent picks weren't the players who you would take, although they got 
talent. I mean, the, the girls who they have coming in are going to be great players. Sabrina is the talent. Sabrina is the transcendent piece. No one who has the first pick is taking anyone other than her. So the fact that New York gets her, that's like the Cavs getting LeBron. That is like any no-brainer number one pick the New York Liberty got, and they got more young talent so that they can rebuild around her. After uh, trading Tina Charles right before the draft, I think they're doing an interesting rebuild where like their whole team is under 25 years old. Um and that, you know, that means they get to grow into being a franchise together. They're doing a cool marketing thing. They got new uniforms, slightly new seafoam color, uh, slightly different logo. They're playing in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn whenever we get to play games again. Like, I, I think they know that this is their moment, the same way Cleveland redid all of their marketing when they got LeBron. I, I think that this is kind of like, oh, this is, this, is the, this is the time. And I don't think they're wrong there. I think that they still won the draft. And that leads us very smoothly into our next multiple choice question. With the selection of Sabrina and Nescu, the New York Liberty should expect to A, make the playoffs, B, win the championship, C, be at the top of the draft again, which means that obviously they're not in the playoffs and they'd be performing poorly. Well, I think I think it's got to at least be making the playoffs, right? Um, eight of the 12 teams in the WNBA make the playoffs. Um, and so I think that at least jumps them that far. Winning the championship is going to be tough because you still have Vegas, you still have Washington. Uh, the LA Sparks ought to be poised to make a new run, right? They're rebuilding their roster a little bit. Um, and so I, 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 I think that winning a championship with a bunch of rookies will be hard, but they are a young team with, a bunch, like I said, a bunch of girls under 25, and they are a very talented basketball team that I would imagine is in the top two-thirds of the league and will make the playoffs. Which one do you go with? Yeah, I'm going to make the playoffs because, as you mentioned, it's not actually earth-shattering to make the playoffs in the WNBA. Most teams do it. So it would seem like Sabrina Inescu is enough of a talent that she will raise that level amongst all the other players. I do love what they're doing in terms of getting in all the young talents to try to build together. So to me, um, it makes a lot of sense, the move, to go ahead, get the transcendent talent, build around her with uh, with her peers versus having any sort of push-pull or tussle on the team in terms of whose team is this. Everyone knows this is Sabrina's team now because we've traded Tina Charles. So this is her team. We're building around her. Uh, like you said, new marketing scheme. She's got the Nike deal. Yo, her seafoam green joints are going to be fire. Like, guys oh, are going to want was, those. That was my <laughs> initial tweet was they need to make sure they release – a signature sneaker soon in both genders for her and like all sizes because it's a people are buying her jersey they're gonna buy her sneakers too it's just as far as winning a championship goes they shipped tina charles to the mystics who just won right like just that's, won that's, just that's well, gonna I mean, be that's, that's talk, gonna be tough we didn't even that's talk about phoenix as well i mean there's so many teams that feel like okay we are poised to make a run at the championship thing it would be hard for new york to do it the final multiple choice question for this segment parker if sports came back this summer, so we're assuming that COVID's all clear, we're coming back. We're not even talking about whether it's with fans or not, because that's not necessarily relevant to this question. We're just asking, if sports came back this summer, the WNBA should, A, play their season later to let the NBA finish first, B, schedule double headers with the NBA, C, find a different way to be on different days, from the NBA 
or D, some other solution that we haven't thought of? I think it's B, scheduled doubleheaders with the NBA. A lot of these teams, as I look at, are in NBA cities. Um, and so they could actually do some cool deals. Like, fans probably won't be at any games if we play this summer. But you could do some cool deals where they're like literally like coming off the floor as the NBA team is going on the floor to warm up, as long as you're under 50 people in the arena, I guess. But I, I think that you could do something cool where like the LA Sparks are playing and then the Spur- the the Lakers game is next. Or you could have... You know, the Dallas Wings are playing and the Mavs game is next. Or the New York Liberty are playing in the Barclays Center and the Brooklyn Nets are warming up uh, in the tunnels. Like, I, I think you can do cool things there. If you're watching the game, you're flipping over to your NBA game, you flip over 15 minutes early and you get to catch the end of one of these closed WNBA games. In a league of 12 teams, the talent is, like, very, very much evenly spread. And so you have a lot of close games throughout the year. Uh, teams play each other multiple times, build up a little bit of rivalry going. Um, I, I think that it'd be a good marketing strategy for them to play right before or somehow in a you know adjoining way with the NBA games. I want to say schedule doubleheaders as well. There are three squads in the WNBA that don't have an NBA like equivalent in their city, right? So that's something that that would have to be considered. Like, how do you make all of these things happen for Las Vegas, for Seattle, for Connecticut? Because if we're just talking about television doubleheader, that's actually not as interesting to me as an actual doubleheader. We're both going to be playing on the same court. Now, the other piece that comes along with that is we don't know exactly what sports are going to look like this summer. If it is kind of the bubble city type of thing, then these doubleheaders aren't necessarily going to be that difficult to make happen, except that you got to now call in the WNBA. You have to say that all of you guys are being sequestered the same way the NBA players are, right? So there are some hiccups to consider. But if you were to just ask me, like, initially, hey, which one sounds the most intriguing? Oh, I want to see doubleheaders. Like, I want – I would love absolutely to see – you know, the Brooklyn Nets come on right after the Liberty play in the Barclays Center because I think that that would be cool. You get Sabrina and Eskew, the Nets come out, and uh, Spencer did what he could do his thing. Like, so there's, there's some yeah. cool stuff that definitely comes I'm also going to say, though, having watched Sabrina play basketball this winter, if Durant and Kyrie aren't healthy, the Liberty needs to be the second game there. They're not the opening act. <laughs> they're, they're very much the one that everyone ought to be on on prime time. Okay, Parker, so our final thesis statement for this episode is that the movie Space Jam, the original Space Jam, Michael Jordan, we're not talking about LeBron, folks, Space Jam has the best soundtrack of any sports movie. What do you say, Parker? What's your grade? So a quick peek behind the curtain here for folks listening is uh, I proposed this thesis on like Tuesday, earlier this week, right? We're trying to figure out what doing this week. And so I was like, oh, we could research this. This would be fun. It's timeless. Space Jam is a great soundtrack. And I, in my head, was like, oh, of course. And I started to do some research as to why Space Jam would be the best soundtrack. And now I'm going to give it a D. So I, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what do you give it, Shaka? Uh, I was never on the Space Jam has the best soundtrack. Space Jam soundtrack, though, is pretty solid. So I was going to give it a C because I think that you know, you can you can A or this is one to me that you're either A or you're an F. And I think that there'd be people who'd fall on both sides. So I went ahead and split the difference out of C. All righty, Parker. So you are no longer on that Space Jam kick. Talk to me about 
Space Jam. Talk to me about the soundtrack that you think now might be the greatest of any sports movie. Well, I think my biggest transition has been on, you know, the other day when I thought this was a clear-cut winner, I am certainly now to the point where I cannot pick a clear-cut winner. Um, it's got LL Cool J. It's got uh, Seal. It's got D'Angelo. It's got Salt and Pepper did a song on it. Honestly, I'd forgotten about that song until I was doing the research for this. It's got, <laughs> um, it's got a lot of uh, good R&B, hip-hop, poppy things from the mid-90s. Um, I am a 90s person. People that are listening to this that know me very well will be laughing because I like love the old baggy wash jeans, retro sneakers, and like I, maybe it's because I'm a big guy, but I like like baggier clothes. Like, like I, I, I'm a 90s person in a lot of ways, even though I was only born in 91. And so I, this music really speaks to a time that I like resonate. I like a lot. I also think that there's something to be said about the fact that the song that sticks with us from this is an opening montage. Uh, with an R. Kelly song, and I don't know if we can necessarily give an award to R. Kelly anymore. Yeah, R. Kelly uh, <laughs> ruins so many things about '90s R and B. God, uh, so many things, uh, so many things. But like, "Fly Like an Eagle" by Seal is a jam, uh, and the Monstars theme song has Coolio, Method Man, Elo, that, and that's Buster the, Rhymes. That's the that most underrated jam. song on the soundtrack. <laughs> This song is crazy. And this is all like, like Space Jam's a cartoon. This is a kid's movie. And they're Completely. killing it. <laughs> I love that Completely. song. Completely. Um, and so that's a great, it's a great album. It is not a bad album, but I can't give an award to an album that is headlined by R. Kelly when there are other options like Remember the Titans. I will like say, love what about basketball. What, Barry White doing basketball, Jones? He can't he can't move you away from <laughs> R. Kelly. Like that voice, Chris Rock, that is hilarious, by the way. That whole um, song is done well. So other other soundtracks I looked at, uh, and I don't know that I'm going to pick a consensus one, is Remember the Titans soundtrack 2000. Uh, it, it's got uh, a few things that help it out are is it's got some like throwback songs of sorts and it also goes back to like ain't no mountain high and like really takes you back a little bit love and basketball does a good job of dialing into that late 90s vibe as well uh i actually when parker proposed this and he said uh hey space jam has the best sports soundtrack i actually texted him within like five seconds to say remember the titans like remember the titans and the jams like they're just it's just jam after jam after jam and it's songs that everyone knows, like regardless of where you grew up, when you grew up, how old you are, how young you are, like, you know, ain't no mountain high enough. Like how many, how many football teams wanted to come out to that chant that the Titans did? That movie is my favorite movie ever. And so in part, it's because of the music. Now, what I will say is, I think that that's the greatest soundtrack of all time. I think that... If we go back to, gosh, 1994, I believe it was, when Above the Rim came out. So mm. here's the thing, guys. What you have to understand, I grew up in New York City in 1994. I'm smack in the middle of East Coast versus West Coast. And I can remember thinking, like, man, we need more East Coast rappers because the West Coast is killing us. And it's one of the reasons why I have a ton of respect for Mob Deep because they were, like, the only ones repping New York at that time. But I don't want to get too much on a tangent. Death Row did the Above the Rim soundtrack. Yeah. Death Row Records did the soundtrack. So it is Tupac. It is Snoop. It is um, 
I buy one of my favorite songs of all time is Regulate by Warren G. And that's <laughs> on this soundtrack. Guys, Above the Rim, underrated if that doesn't come like top of mind for you when you start thinking about sports movies and their soundtracks. It also has the Above the Rim soundtrack, also has Dog Pound for Life, and it also has anyway, a, hand, a handful of other songs by very classic West Coast guys. Uh, Dr. Dre produces a couple of them. What's interesting, Mishak, is on this podcast, you have defended not firing Dolan, you've not fired Dolan, and you have gone West Coast rap. And so I want to make sure we all let your New York folks know that you have sided with New York rap, or sided with West Coast rap in today's podcast. Here's what my New York folks know, is that they understand debate, and so they understand there's no fallacy in anything <laughs> I'm saying. So they're, they're all good. They would just disagree in a very organized um, fashion. Underrated soundtrack that I was finding when I looked at did you ever, you saw, because you're a fight guy and you're a, a sports guy, <laughs> did you see Ali in 2001? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Will Smith was incredible. Should have won an Incredible Oscar. movie. Yeah, incredible movie. Um, honestly, like a very, as someone who did some work for Ali for a grad school paper, like a very, very cool movie and story anyway. Um, and obviously it was right in like this, it was about five years after that Atlanta Olympics, right? I think it was. And it was kind of this like, he's very beloved part of his time in our history. Um the amount of Sam Cooke on that album is incredible. <laughs> and if you're going to bring back the Ollie era of music, you got to bring back Sam Cooke. And so I liked a lot of the the references in that one. Um, you, you know what I also respect about that movie is that that's one of those movies that's heavily sampled by hip-hop artists. Because the, the whole line... The champ is here. Anytime you yeah. hear that in a song, that's from that movie. That is Will Smith beating the drum. And Ali did that when he was um, he had the uh, rumble in the jungle. Like he he beat the African drum and he would walk around George Foreman and be like, the champ is here. Duh, 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 duh. The champ is here. And George Foreman yeah. wanted to murder him. <laughs> but that is a sample that continually comes up in hip hop music. And another one that this is probably just going to stick with me and the other people that are about my age and would have been in middle school slash early high school when the movie came out uh the second longest yard movie the redone 2005 version nelly is in the movie and thus does a lot of the soundtrack and while i'm not sure that the soundtrack stands the test of time in 2005 <laughs> i listened to it a lot it has little wayne it has nelly uh it's got a, a bad song by the d12 group um, it's, it's got chameleon air it's got it's got a lot i remember listening to this album a lot i'm not sure it stands the test of time the same way sam cook or uh Ain't no mountain high do but i i do think it was a, an album i probably listened to a lot at the time probably not as much as space jam but a lot at the time uh i want to throw a question at you actually parker i'm gonna let you think about it a little bit because i'll answer first but uh, the question I want to throw at you is just one underrated song that comes off of a sports movie soundtrack, maybe one that isn't necessarily a jam that everyone listens to, but you just know is an awesome song. So I'll give you some time to kind of think about that, because the song that I go to is a song by Jay-Z called History, which is on the uh, More Than a Game soundtrack, which was that was the documentary that was done about LeBron James. And so I don't know that a lot of people think of history as a song when they think about Jay-Z, but as a history teacher, I definitely do. But one of the reasons why I also <laughs> love that song is because uh, I was a football coach for a team in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, Trinity Valley School, and we won the state championship in 2010. And if you listen to the song and the lyrics of the song, it is a victory 
JC's talking about a victory after a lot of defeats. And so you still overcome those defeats in order to achieve your ultimate victory. So after we won the state championship game, that's what we blasted on the bus as the kids were walking on. And so the kids were like, yeah, and they got hyped and that was crazy. Um, and so like that song for me, it has that emotional piece because it reminds me of that championship. But that song is just dope, too. Like, Jay-Z has a way with words, my friends. He is ultimate in terms of poetry. Um, well, I, I told myself I wasn't going to give any awards to R. Kelly, so I can't do World's Greatest off of the Ali <laughs> soundtrack. Um, as I'm thinking back, it's hard for me to get out of where I was just looking at this these handful of, uh, of albums. Um I'm trying to think of the name of a song off of the Coach Carter soundtrack. I think it's it was Kanye West in Common, and it's like from like before Kanye West is crazy, obviously, because it's when Coach Carter came out. Um, Wouldn't you want to ride? I think I just because I'm pulling it up as we're talking um, is the name of the song I'm thinking of. Wouldn't you want to ride off the Coach Carter soundtrack? The other one, uh, Hope by Twista and Faith Evans off that soundtrack. Um, it, that might be actually the one that's probably more memorable from the soundtrack. Um, but both of those would be songs that I listen to a lot outside of listening to random soundtracks, like just as far as having them in my iTunes goes. Um, I don't know that people looked to the Coach Carter soundtrack as a place to find music. <laughs> All right, Parker. So that is this week's episode of FN Sports. What we learned today is that uh, Parker hates college and that Shaka has better taste in music. Uh, <laughs> uh, Parker, why don't you go ahead and hit everyone with your socials? Uh, you can go tell me about how much you also hated college at Ainsworth512. <laughs> That's at P Ainsworth512 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm also on the FN Sports Twitter. You can find us both there. You'll see the ones I have gone through and tagged with at or dash PA and Shaka does at CC. Uh, that's at FN Sports, the number two, F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, number two on Twitter. Um, but hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um, tell us if you really think that we're off base on a couple of things or if you got suggestions and other albums we might have left out. Let us know. Absolutely. And we're also on Insta. The podcast Insta is F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. Uh, make sure that you subscribe, review, share, do all the wonderful things for this podcast that really help us out. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of F in Sports. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't fuck with us. Later, guys. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.